Let's pretend that this isn't advice. And I'm Erin, and I'm not giving you advice. It's it's not advice. I can't help myself <laughs> give advice. I don't mean to. I don't want to. I want you to be able to live your life, but I know how to do it. I'm a huge know-it-all, and this is where I practice not giving advice to people. Except I totally give advice to them. I'm a lawyer turned professional certified coach, and I just happen to give the best advice. But this is a podcast, not a coaching session, so I obviously don't do that here, except I do. This is not advice with Erin Conlon, your know-it-all lawyer coach friend. This is not advice. On today's episode of This Is Not Advice, I talk with Henry Goldenstar. Henry is an actor, a comedian, an artist here in the city of Chicago. And um, this conversation was surprising and beautiful. And we talk about being trans and uh, being an artist and being sober and all of the questions that come along with that. Um, I had a bunch of takeaways from this today, one of which is that being in process is a perfect place to be. You do not have to be there yet. And then the other takeaway that I have is that who we think we are <laughs> is both mutable and immutable. Like some things about you will not change and many things about you might. And so being willing to question that and investigate that is really valuable. And who knows what it'll lead to. Uh Anyway, I loved this conversation. I think you'll get a lot out of it too. And I hope that you have a really great day. Oh, also, I currently have a spot open in my practice. So if you have ever wanted to be coached or learn more about coaching, I would love to talk with you. Uh, email me at Aaron at AaronConlin.com. Hey, Henry, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, I'm so excited to have you here today. Yeah, thank you so much for for asking me to do this. Yeah, so so that everyone else knows, who are you? <laughs> Why um, are you? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I'm Henry Golden Star, um, and uh, yeah, I you know I knew you were going to ask this question of who are you, and um, right now it's kind of been a weird. I'm in a rebuilding period, a rebuilding year, uh, so it's. Uh, right now I'm figuring out kind of what my thing is. Um, but hmm. yeah. Can you say more? I'm now yeah, I'm totally. curious. Like, what I, does this mean? I'm just diving right into it. Like we're Please getting, do. Please. we're just going in fast. Um, no, I, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm Henry Golden Star. I'm a trans artist and actor, um, which of course has been a little bit, uh, it's been a little bit strange with the pandemic because there hasn't really been live performance. Um, and I'm mm -hmm. kind of in a, so I'm, I'm an artist and right now I'm trying to figure out kind of what, what I want to do with that and where to go with, um, my art. Cause I, I know that I want to do, I want to say something and tell stories, but I'm figuring out kind of what medium to do that in. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I love that you say that you are an artist because artists can be so many things. Mm -hmm. Um, what does being an artist mean to you? Um, I think it's, uh, I think it is the ability to bring life to something or to 
bring it's like somehow it's it's putting a name or making the intangible tangible so it's it's making something that you can't see and you can't touch and feel real um and for me a huge important thing in my in the art that i make because i i do like i do i've started doing more like visual art but i also do theater and music is Mm -hmm. finding ways to uh connect people with one another and um ways that we can realize that maybe we aren't so alone in whatever wherever we are in our lives um yeah so it's so interesting like so my friend Suzanne did this painting that's behind me which is I love it it's so cool cool, isn't it yeah (laughs) it's a succulent I sent her a picture of a succulent and she translated it to that that is so cool and I feel like all art is the ability to do that to take an idea and turn it into something that, like you said, that is tangible that you can touch. Mm -hmm. What's like the biggest idea that you want people to be able to touch? Uh, That is a great question. And I think it's something that I've, I, I think, I think it is a thing that you're, you're not alone. And I think, I think that's the big, that's kind of been, uh, theme in my life is figuring out that I, I wasn't alone. Um, cause I think so often there's, a because of, you know, society or politeness or whatever, there's this, this feeling that we can't always share the things that connect us most to each other. Uh, we have to kind of hide them away. And I think that's something really incredible that art does is that it, it, makes it okay. It makes it accessible for, for those thoughts and feelings and, um, to, to like be said out loud and to be heard. Um, yeah. So for you, I, I would imagine that like acknowledging your trans identity, excuse my puppy, acknowledging (laughs) like your trans identity and relating to yourself differently was a big old part of that. Is that kind of what you're pointing to with? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, so it's a, it's a variety of different things. And I think that's part of why, you know, it's, it's so funny because I'm, I'm, I can tell right now with how the world is at, at the present moment where we're kind of, the world is kind of reopening, but things are different. And we're never, I don't know, think we're ever going to have a parade that's like, Hey, the pandemic is over. And, you know, we can, can we, go though, back. can we, <laughs> I mean, a parade would be great. I love parades. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I feel like that's probably not going to happen. And, um, so of course, like, you know, right after, right after I was like, I'm Henry Golden Star and I don't know what I am. I was like, Oh God, like we're, we're just going in. Cause it's right at yeah, the surface <laughs> like that, like that. Um, Cause okay. So before the pandemic, I, uh, I, my, uh, I, my, I was going by my birth name, which is Hannah, Hannah Star. I also, uh, you know, had not come out yet. Um, I was, uh, 
I basically had just moved in with my girlfriend and now, you know, coming out on this, this side of it, or at least like at this point in time, um, I've come out, I've changed my name. I'm, I'm, I've, I got top surgery, which is a, a huge, I mean, a huge physical change. Um, I got married, we adopted a dog. And so, oh my goodness. Yeah, so it's kind of like all of these big things happened all at once. And, um, and so I'm in a, in a place of like, there's this real joy about finding my authentic self or like finally feeling like I can say out loud that I am, I'm Henry and I am a trans man, um, or non-binary, you know, it's, it's something that I'm, I'm still figuring out. And I think we'll always be kind of figuring it out, but um, I think being able to, to show, to like be myself is also, it's, it's also a little bit scary because I, uh, don't with all the uncertainty in the world right now, it, it just feels like a lot to be, um, to be sorting through all of that. And I think especially, you know, as things are starting to open up again, um, a big reason why I didn't transition for a long time was because my, my main career is as an actor and, um, and I also sing. And so for a long time, I thought that, that if I, if I came out as non-binary or trans, that that would, that would really get in the way of my acting and, you know, agents wouldn't know what to do with me. And, uh, I would say like, I have a, I have a kick-ass agent and like, I have, I have a really good, really good people who are like supportive and finding things for me. But I would, I would say that there is definitely still some of that fear of like, I don't think people quite know what to do with me. Um, And it's been a little bit uncomfortable at times to go back and inhabit the spaces, like the performance venues that I used to inhabit before. Um, and figuring out, figuring out that aspect of it. Yeah. Do you feel like, do you feel like people relate to you in the same way or totally differently or? I don't know. I I think it's, that's something that has been, I've been thinking about a lot because I think, I think people generally didn't, quite know what to do with me before, um, even before I came out as trans. And so there's a part of me that I, I think people just saw me as Hannah or saw me as this performer. And I think people see me as Henry. I've definitely been more vocal about, um, about, uh, about transitioning and, and that's been a part of my art and like, the stuff that I have been making. Um, but I don't really know. It's, it's hard. Cause yeah, I feel like I haven't been out enough yet to really know how, how people are responding to it or it's, yeah, I don't know. Well, like just time-wise, how long has it been like a year, year and a half? Yeah. So I, um, I came out, uh, as trans in, um, I started changing my name last fall, like a year ago. Um, and I tried out a couple different names and I tried 
So uh, for a while I was going by Hank, but that sounded too much like a sneeze. So I was like, <laughs> that doesn't quite feel right. Um, and I'd always loved the name Henry. And, um, and so I, I started, uh, last year, my close friends and, and my wife, you know, would call me Henry. And then I kind of came out to, to everybody, uh, in the new year, like in, in early January. And so it's been pretty recent. Um, and I had been planning on having, top surgery and basically, uh, doing that. So at last, uh, in April I had top surgery, which was, you know, a whole nother change. Um, but yeah, so it is, it is pretty recent and it's, um, it's interesting. Cause I, and I've heard, I think Elliot page said something about how a lot of times he's noticed that when his trans friends have come out. There's been kind of like this outburst of creative energy after that happens. Like all of this kind of energy that's been pent up um, comes out and uh, their work really changes because of it. And I think that's been the case definitely, um, or at least in how I think about my own agency as an artist. Because before it was kind of like, well, I, you know, I have to kind of do what what people tell me I have to do. I have to take the roles that people tell me to take. And now I think there's a bit more of like, no, I could like, if I wanted to, I could figure out how to make the stuff that I want to make. And yeah. it may not, it may not, you know, I may not be on SNL or like do like do a huge Broadway show, but I can at least do that and be happy, you know? And, <laughs> Yeah. Well, don't count that out, though. No, you I know. know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, too, is like things are things are changing pretty rapidly. And I'm hoping that we do get to a place where gender won't be important. Like, it's a tricky thing because right now, I think we need to have the conversation about pronouns. We need to we need to be respectful and and make an effort to be extra inclusive of people who are trans and people who are non-binary and gender fluid. Um, but I'm hoping that we get to a point where that won't matter, where we could see a production of like Oklahoma, where, you know, trans actors are playing the, are playing the leads and it's not seen as a big political statement. And it's not seen as like, no, this yeah. is saying something. And I think, I think we're getting closer and I can see that um, especially in the past couple of years with some of the, the stuff that's been coming out. But I, I think there's still a ways to go before we're really at a point where at least, you know, the money speaks and says that people don't really care about gender unless it's, you know, in, uh, a, a, about a suffragette or something like that, a <laughs> historical piece, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Henry, let's say for the people who don't understand or know why pronouns are so important, why mm -hmm. would you say that like acknowledging and asking for people's pronouns isn't important? Um, and so. And you don't have to give me the answer. I'm asking for why you, it's important for you. Like what in your experience yeah. makes it important? I think. 
I think it goes back to being seen and being respected and also um, having having agency over yourself and, and having people see you and, and understand you in a way that, um, you know, when you're in, when you're in the closet, it, it, uh, it's pretty bleak in there. And I, I think, um, I'm still struggling a little bit with, uh, thinking that my, uh, my gender identity is legitimate, you know? Um, mm. Like I, I'm, I, I still, I struggle, uh, especially cause I haven't started taking testosterone yet, but I, I struggle like going into public restrooms and whatnot. And um, that's very scary. Uh, cause I, you know, I, I look like a 14 year old boy or like a, a, <laughs> a college <laughs> lesbian, you know? So it's like, yeah. Uh, but I, um, I think it's just a way of like, pronouns are, are important because it, it is a sign of respect and it's a sign of love. Like it, it truly is a sign of like, I see you and I affirm you and I, you know, respect, respect you, even if I don't quite understand it. Um, cause that has been my experience quite a bit. And I, uh, I get frustrated when people are like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying, but you know, it's hard. And I'm like, I, I totally get that. I also, I also want you to know that like, it's, it's not a trend. It's not a, it's not something that, you know, it's not a TikTok hashtag. Like it's not yeah. something that people are doing non-binary and trans people have been around for forever. And, um, thank God that we're, we're finally at a point where we can start, you know, people are being more open about it and yeah. And celebrating it. Well, from everything I've learned, you know, like a lot of times when we're growing up, our identities are given to us. Mm -hmm. Our name is given to us. Our like hobbies are given to us. Our religion is given to us. Our understanding of what family is given to us. Oof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even for me, like being an attorney was something that was kind of given to me. Mm-hmm. And so I went and followed that path because that was like the right thing to do. And I'm a people pleaser of all sorts, or I was. And... I often wonder how some of these identities that are bestowed upon us are really who we are and how Mm -hmm. much we adopt or try to please and how that has to like, like I've never questioned my gender, gender identity. (laughs) What Mm -hmm. a privilege. And so like what, what it has to be like to really be so strong where you can be like, am I really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. that uh it's it's interesting that you bring that up because I so my dad is a is a pastor uh he's a United Methodist pastor and so we grew up as you know the pastor's family which um I don't know uh 
United Methodists aren't the most conservative Christian denomination, but there yeah. is, we were in, you know, Wisconsin. Uh, my dad had a number of churches in small towns when I was growing up and it was very much like uh, people even warned us before we moved to a town, like it's going to be like you're living in a fishbowl. People are going to know what people are going to know what you're up to and, and be kind of in your business. And I, um, and that's a lot for. I'm making a face for the people who yeah. can't see me. This, this is not a video podcast. <laughs> there was a, Oh crap face. Yeah. <laughs> came on to mine. <laughs> and I think, so I always felt different. I always felt like, um, I was actually thinking about it today. Cause I, I was thinking of my, my first, best friend who lived a couple houses down from us Mm -hmm. and um and his name was ryan and we would we would just like yell at each other across the yards and and like play with each other all the time and i loved i loved ryan so much because i could be one of the guys i could like hang out with him and it was really hard when I got to middle school and over the summer, you know, people's bodies changed and all of a sudden I, I wasn't just one of, one of the gang anymore. I was, I, I was, I was a girl and there was like this, this shift that happened. And I remember feeling so uncomfortable with that, but also feeling like I couldn't really make waves because I, um, because I was, I was a pastor's kid, you know, and I, uh, there was a very specific kind of way that we had to, to behave. And my, my parents weren't necessarily, uh, really strict about that, but just, I think Christianity in, in general around that time, or at least evangelical Christianity in general was very, there was a lot of intense, like, uh, intense preaching about, about purity and like, and, uh, like sexual purity. And, you know, there was a, a lot of stuff about, um, like it was very much still that feeling of like women should submit to their husbands and that sort of thinking, which Mm -hmm. even though my parents never explicitly said that to me growing up in different churches and being around, those kinds of what you saw it's the air that you breathe exactly and all of a sudden you're internalizing all of this stuff without even knowing that you're internalizing it yeah and it's interesting too because like my parents and I I actually uh talked to them a couple weeks ago about this and my dad was like I you know we were all we were all in that and I look at it now and and think you know how horrible it it must have been to grow up in that environment where that was being taught to you of like, you have to do a certain number of things or you are going to hell or you, you cannot be your authentic self because God will only love you if you're a certain way. Um, it's just like baffles my mind that that's the interpretation that people have, but okay. <laughs> yeah. And see, and I don't think that it's, I don't think people know that that is, that's it though. I, I think there's, there's a, some trickery that goes on in our brains to, 
And like, I, I have friends who, who are Christians and I, and I, I mean, I don't know exactly what I believe. I would say I maybe most identify with Christianity still, but like, I, uh, I think there's, I think there's such a, um, desire to be good, such a desire Mm -hmm. to be, to be holy and to be pure that it's not even a, it doesn't come from a bigoted place. It comes from a place of thinking like, well, how do I be the best person that I can be? It obviously must not be these things that I've been taught are not holy or that, you know, that make me feel, yeah, yeah, it, it's so weird. Well, yeah, it's super weird. And like I, the thing that I, so I was raised Catholic and mm. I went to Catholic school until sixth grade. And then I did catechism until I was confirmed. And the thing that I could never buy into was that God would make faulty people. Mm-hmm. Like I just didn't, I didn't buy it. And yeah. because I never bought it, it was very easy for me to play cafeteria Catholicism. Yeah. And like, take what I believe and <laughs> yeah. take what I don't. And, you know, Catholic school is super toxic. And I got, I was severely, severely bullied as a kid. Mm. And so for me, like my fierce independence was the thing that saved me, not anything else. It's yeah. just like my unwillingness to believe that God who created people would create people so that they would be broken. Absolutely. Yeah. That, and uh, that resonates quite a bit with me, especially so, cause I'm, I'm at a point too, where I'm realizing kind of how much shame-based in- institutions have uh, affected my life. And I, I can tell that that is still, uh, it still affects how I, how I view the world sometimes. Um, Mm. because I think there is still this thing of like, if I don't behave a certain way, I am not, you know? Yeah. Uh, you'll never be loved. You'll never be successful. Like nobody's ever going to come hang out with you. Yeah. And I actually, (laughs) and this is, I mean, this is, this is somewhat related because I've been thinking a lot about this recently and I've been working on some stuff about, my experience in recovery, but I, um, so I, I got sober back in 2014 and, um, I was very involved and I know, you know, I was involved in 12 step programs and I really, I, uh, I still, you know, go to 12 step program. I'm not supposed to talk. (laughs) We aren't supposed to talk about this, but you know, I mean, uh, you're like the sixth person to talk about being sober in the past six episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, and I, I will say, so I relapsed earlier this year and, um, I'm sorry. Uh, thank you. I mean, it was, I'm doing okay. I think, uh, it, I'm honestly grateful for it because I think it has made in some ways, I think it's made my recovery stronger. I think it's also made me question some of the thinking around my relationship with substances. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I've, I've been, and I, it, 
I didn't really have. So I, I know that not, not everybody knows about 12 cent programs. Um, but essentially it's, you know, if, uh, it's a community of people that share their experiences with each other and help each other, uh, to not drink. And, um, a, a big, a big part of, of 12 step programs are the, the literature that was written back in the 1930s when these groups the big book. Yeah. The yeah. big book. And, um, and I had always kind of struggled with the language in, in the big book. And I had struggled with, um, cause it, it was written in a time that was, you know, very patriarchal and very much, uh, they didn't, the way that they articulated things, I feel like if they were to write it today, it would be a very progressive text, but they just didn't have the language back then. Yeah. But because of that, some of the language I believe is inherently shame-based. And I think that that has been, that was a, a struggle for me for a long time because I know that, I know that the, at the heart of the matter, that, that, that is not like, 12-step programs are about recovering and about finding a community and about finding hope and, and, um, and a different way of living. But there was a part of my brain that could not get past, could not get past some of the the language. And, Mm -hmm. um, but of course, if I, if I brought that up, I would also feel like it was a moral failing on my part that, it was because of my own pride or my own ego that I couldn't get past that, that I had to like overcome. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's really interesting, right? Because from a coaching standpoint, one of the things that I look for in my clients are contexts, the Mm -hmm. ways that they think about the world Mm -hmm. and 12 step recovery. A lot of it is a very all or nothing Mm -hmm. way of being. Yeah. No, nothing can be great and like but there is an inherent disempowering side to all or nothingness mm-hmm. because you got to pick the right one. Yeah. And if you don't pick the right all or you don't pick the right <laughs> nothing. <laughs> exactly. You're, yeah. You're kind of fucked. <laughs> and I think that's I think that's very much that's that feels very similar to me to my experiences growing up in in church, you know. And mm-hmm. it's something that as I've grown up, I've, I've, I've tried to, uh, tried to be less of an all or nothing person, uh, in terms of how's that going? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going okay. Uh, I, I'll get back to you on that, but I actually, so for the past, um, so like for the past couple of years, I think when weed became legal, um, and I can't remember when that happened because time is uh, very strange. Two years, Two years ago. ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I started questioning a lot about whether that would help some of my depression and anxiety. And mm-hmm. uh, my like, I, I also have narcolepsy and I thought that might also help that. Uh, but there was such a fear of it that I was like, I can't because if I do that, that is the gateway drug. And then, you know, you know, Betty Ford's voice was in my head, like, you know, you're going to die tomorrow. Um, 
So I kind I'm of glad you did it. I'm glad <laughs> that you're you. here today. Me too. <laughs> um, so my it's been hard because I was, I will say that uh, for a long time in, in my early sobriety and up until recently, uh, and I, I think I, there's still a little bit of this like, oh, I'm sober. Like, let me tell you how my life is. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I was very judgmental of, uh, <laughs> I love this phrase, but California sober, where I, people who are, who are, <laughs> who don't drink, but they still smoke weed. Um, and I, and I was super judgmental of that. Um, Mm -hmm. and people who are sober curious and the truth is it's none of my business what people do. And I started realizing that when I was realizing that my own curiosity about whether or not marijuana would be helpful for me was, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even step out and try that because I was, I was terrified that I would be throwing away seven years of sobriety. And that is, I mean, in a way that, I don't know. It's hard because. Did you try weed? I did. Yeah. And I, and it's something that I still, and like, and I can't, I don't know that I can say that I'm sober anymore because it is Mm. something that does help with my anxiety. Um, Yeah. So how does, just before we like, delve into the sobriety of it, but like, how does weed help with your anxiety? Um, it, it allows me to, I think in in some ways, and this is, and this is where I'm, I'm like still figuring this out. Like I'm, I'm, and I, and I'm not entirely sure what the, what the right answer is, or I think it's different for everybody, but, um, I, uh, especially after being at home for, you know, a year and a half, I've had a lot of anxiety with leaving the house and with going outside. And I've also had some, um, you know, fear and, uh, depression being, being at home and kind of, uh, (laughs) can't be here. Can't go there. (laughs) Um, and, you know, a lot of the, a lot of times people are like, you know, it's not good to numb out. Like you don't want to do that. I think as human beings, sometimes, sometimes you do need a break. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that like people should go out and get wasted or anything like that. But I think whether it is cooking or painting or, uh, or, or medicine, you know, something to, to like, I just am laughing because I'm like, oh man, I sound like I'm making excuses for my use. And that's the weird thing too, is like, I'm still, I'm still in this place of like, am I, am I being an addict? And am I making excuses for using a substance, even though it's something that my doctor and I have talked about and I've, you know, I've, I've gone over it with. Well, I'm curious, have you set parameters for when you've decided it could be a problem? Yeah. Yeah. So I know that if it, if it becomes something that I do every day, if it becomes something that I, when I'm uncomfortable, it's my go-to thought or my go-to kind of like 
I, I need to do this to get through this. I know that that's an issue. Um, I don't think it's something, it's not something that I do all the time. And I, and I don't, I don't ever want it to be something that I do all the time because I've also realized in uh, when I, when I relapsed earlier this year, uh, so I, I smoked weed first and then I was Mm -hmm. like, well, I screwed up my sobriety. I have to start at zero. I might as well go out and get super drunk. And so my drinking was super Wait, willful. where's that all or nothing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, well, if we're here, if I'm going to start over again, I might as well just go and get super drunk. Um, and I, I realized that I don't really like being high all the time. I don't mm-hmm. like that feeling. I, I don't, it's not something that is com- feels compulsive for me because it's something that truly is like a, I want to sit down and I want to paint for a little bit. And I think that this would help me kind of get out of my head, stop thinking about how I can monetize this doodle that I'm doing and just be here and doodle. <laughs> Cause that is yeah. always where my brain is going is like, okay, how can I like sell this? Or like, how can I get money from this thing I'm mm-hmm. making? And so it's been very helpful for that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, for whatever it is for right now, hopefully it doesn't turn into a problem, Mm -hmm. but what it allows for you to do is have presence. Yeah. And like, if I have massive anxiety, I have an anxiety disorder. I talk about it all the time, Mm -hmm. but, um, that's one of the things that I work on every day Yeah, is like, how can I be present in this moment? Yeah. And I think I've, and it's hard for me to know. I I wrote a song about this uh, a couple weeks ago about about my relapse and um, and kind of this feeling of like right now again like uh, people are tired of hearing about the pandemic, but it's happening and we we're still in it. Um, so uh, <laughs> buckle up. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, we can't just wish away the thing that is driving and shaping all of our lives all day, every day. Yeah. And so one of the things that in this song that uh, I I was thinking about was, um, you know, I, I kind of put some 12-step slogans in there, like life on life's terms, but life was never supposed to turn out this way. You know, it's not, it wasn't supposed to last this long. This wasn't supposed to be, we've been kind of like pushing through, at least I feel like I've been kind of pushing through the past two years, just Mm -hmm. trying so hard to to keep going and to keep moving and, and to, to be okay with the uncertainty that's happening. And it, I don't think human beings are meant to take that that prolonged amount of stress and anxiety. I don't think that we're, I, I think that we are truly in a place of, of like, people are really hurting right now because it's Mm -hmm. just been, it's, it's lasted for so long. And, um, and I think I got to a place where I was kind of like, this feels kind of like triage. Like this is, it feels like if there's a choice between 
you know, somebody, somebody told me like, if there's a, if the choice is between putting a bottle in your mouth and putting a gun in your mouth, choose, choose a bottle every time, you know? And it's, it's not that I, I, I don't, I'm, I am not suicidal. Um, but there definitely has been a darkness that I just have not been comfortable with. And it scares me to think about having to be in that darkness for a long time. And so I, I do think that in some ways, maybe my, my smoking is to numb out a little bit because it's Mm -hmm. sometimes it is hard for me. It's hard for me to always be present because I'm constantly thinking about all of the things that are going on in the world. And I think, yeah, yeah, I, so it's, well, and yeah. like it's got to be, it's just got to be a lot for you. Like you've had a lot of transition. You are really owning who you are. And there is a lot of pressure <laughs> in owning who you are because all of a sudden now you're like, this is who I am, people. And everyone's like, well, who are you exactly? Yeah. Like it, it takes a while for those relationships to change. And then in in the interim, like you're also changing your relationship with yourself. Yeah. And it sounds like in 7 billion ways you have changed your relationship with yourself (laughs) over the past 18 months. Yeah, it's been, uh, it has definitely been a very strange time. Yeah. I, I feel kind of like, you know, they say that when a caterpillar is in the chrysalis and it's like, oh yeah, you're a pile of goo. Yeah. It's just just like, you just dissolve. (laughs) (laughs) And then you emerge a beautiful butterfly and I'm hoping that the butterfly is coming soon. You know, it's like, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm really grateful for where I'm at. It's, it's been hard and I still, I don't have everything figured out and I don't think I ever will. And, um, I'm trying to just have a little bit more grace with myself when I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's figure it out. Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of cool like what you what you could consider is that who you are today is not who you're going to be 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. And the core of who you are probably won't change. Mm-hmm. You will probably always be a genuine, kind, thoughtful, creative human being. But that doesn't mean Genuine, kind, thoughtful, creative today looks the same thing as it does in 2032. Yeah. That is so you know? true. Yeah. I, I, I think about that a lot because there are some things, you know, thinking about myself as a kid, the things that I'm drawn to in my art and the things that I make most in my art are things that I was doing when I was a kid. They're the core of who I am. I was mm-hmm. always sitting at the piano and messing around, um, you know, much to my parents' annoyance. Uh, but I, I, and I also, you know, would, would just be drawing all the time and I would be making up weird characters and doing strange voices and writing plays to perform in my backyard. Um, and that hasn't necessarily changed. Yeah. Um, I think, I think in some ways, this uh, this period of time has really been about rediscovering those things and and what the core of 
of who I am is, um, which mm-hmm. I don't think is, I, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it can be boxed in by a gender or by, uh, by anything. I think it, it, it truly, I think it is just like, there's a holiness in all of us. And I think we are all holy. And there's a part of us that it's just, I don't know if it's a soul or if it's, uh, or if it's God or whatever, but it, there's just that truth inside of us that, that we need to, we need to get out. And, um, and I think I'm, I, I think I'm, I've always kind of been looking for that for a long time. It was in, you know, drinking, uh, for a while it was, you know, I, I was trying to find it at, at certain theatrical institutions, mm-hmm. but I think when it comes down to it, 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 yeah, I, I don't even know what it is. Well, so one of the big differences between coaching and therapy is that coaching is inherently future oriented. Yeah. It's like, like you're going to talk about, I talk about the same stuff with my clients as I, like they also talk about in therapy. It's how we talk about it. That's different. Yeah. And what I'm hearing is that like for you, there's an opportunity to decide who you want to be. Mm-hmm. Not who were you or who are you, but like, who do you actually want to be? Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the goo that you're in right now as you are deciding some of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but that's, it doesn't, it's not a day. It's not an overnight conversation. Totally. And that, that's, it's funny. I think that's, that's very helpful for me to hear. Cause I, I think it, um, you know, I sat down this morning and I, I wrote down streams of income because right now finances are <laughs> a worry and, yeah. uh, and it's kind of, it's kind of inspiring and empowering to sit down and think like, who, who do I, what do I want my life to look like? Like what, who do I want to be and what do Mm -hmm. I want in my life and, uh, what kind of, you know, programs or, or, uh, communities do I want here? And like, what kind of things do I want to be involved in? Um, which is something that I think, I had forgotten for a while. Um, like th- that you can decide those yeah. things. <laughs> like that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us forget that because we become, we let ourselves be victimized by our circumstances. Yeah. And the pan- the pandemic, while a real thing, has also given people a very clear and clean excuse. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's the, the difference is not like, is it real? Mm-hmm. It's like, how are you going to be about the things that are real? Yeah. Are you going to let them decide for you? Are you going to decide for yourself? Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where you're like, you're like, wait a second. Yeah. I don't have to let this be the thing that decides. I can decide a little bit. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's definitely, I mean, this, I started a, I've, I've started doing more visual art, of course, and like trying to do commissions and and stuff like that. I've also, I mean, I still, I'm, uh, I'm back 
working as an actor uh, at, at Second City. Um, so it's, it's nice to have, to, to be like, okay, that's, that's something that I, I can come, I I can come back to this and it's still mm-hmm. here. Um, are you on the main stage? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm an understudy for the, for the ETC. Um, so, you know, Atra? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Atra <laughs> is a monster and I absolutely love her. <laughs> I love, like, I love Atra so much too. Uh, Atra and I did IO together. Oh, really? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I knew Atra from Looking Glass Theater. I didn't even realize that Atra did comedy until she got in the ETC show. And that was, yeah, uh, that was really cool. But Oh, yeah. Sorry. So <laughs> I digress. This is, like, totally irrelevant to pretty much everybody. But, okay, so you're working at Second City as an understudy. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's been, it's been really cool to, like, to come back to that. And because I'll be honest, like, a year ago or 18 months ago, I probably would not have taken that job because I would have been like an understudy me. Are you (laughs) kidding me? Why am I not on main stage? And in reality right now, I, I'll be honest, like I need the cash and like, I get to see, I get to see comedy every week. And like, I get to, I get to, you know, hop in and perform at this place that I dreamed about performing at when I was a kid. And even with all of the, all of the, um, kind of the hard stuff that I've in my experiences at second city, where I, I kind of was like, felt like I wasn't getting the, getting the right opportunities or I wasn't getting noticed or people didn't like me. I think if I let that go and understand that it's a a business and, and just realize that like, they're giving me an opportunity to do to at least do something. And that's kind of cool. Um, well, it, yeah. And I think what I hear is that like, rather than focusing on the brass ring mm-hmm. of, did you get it? Mm-hmm. You get to be in it. Yeah. And we were like, to go back to the presence piece that we had kind of talked about. It's like, instead of, are you there yet? It's like, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've always kind of struggled with. And I, I think I, I feel most, I think, I think I feel most present when I'm, when I'm playing piano and singing and when I'm acting and because I haven't been able to really be on stage lately, uh, I think I've, I've kind of been missing that, that ability to, to be truly, yeah, I've I've missed it a lot. I get it. Like, um, well, we're coming up on time. So let's just do, let's just wrap up because I feel like we could talk forever about what it means to be a comedian and totally. all of that other stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious for you, how can we support you? Oh man. I, I kind of want to know, like, for for a long time, I was like, oh, the artist shouldn't care what the audience wants. The artist shouldn't. But I think that's counterintuitive to a lot of art because mm-hmm. especially like comedy, you want to you wanna give the audience something that will make them laugh. And I think I've been trying to figure out 
kind of what what stories people want to hear. And I, I want to know what what people are interested in and passionate about and what what gets them excited. I think right now I'm in a in a place where, you know, I'm I'm starting uh, I have an Etsy shop that I haven't been super consistent about cause I'm, I have ADHD, but I, and I like, <laughs> you know, I, I have been working on writing a musical and I'm also like, I've been writing a graphic novel. So it's just like, because that's how my brain works is that I'm hopping around all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes longer for projects to get done. Um, so I'm trying to figure out kind of what it's been hard for me to figure out what direction do I go in? Like what thing do I run after? Or is it okay for me to kind of dabble in a lot of different things right now? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think if, if, if people want to buy something from me or uh, have like a, an art piece I want, like that would be great. You know? Okay. Yeah. Well, send me the link to your Etsy shop and I'll make sure it's linked here so that the people listening can go buy something from you. Yeah. Um, and also we can see you occasionally at second city. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, is there any, like, is there any other support that you need to follow you on Instagram or I mean, Today is the the day that we're recording this is also the day that Instagram and Facebook and WhatsApp and oh, everything is down. So this probably won't get released until like mid-November, but just so you know, there is a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Instagram, I'm also trying to, I'm figuring out TikTok. <laughs> I feel like such, an, such a grandpa. I'm like, yeah, I'm figuring out TikTok. Uh yeah. Uh, so I think TikTok uh, and Instagram, my um, my handle is Hey Hey Golden Star, and I'll I'll send Good that night. to you as well. And um, and I'm I'm also working on trying to figure out a, a Patreon and kind of what that would look like and what. Yeah. Okay. So cool. I will I will definitely let you know. Awesome. Yeah. And then the question I ask everybody, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you're, you're probably anticipating it, mm-hmm. is what does success look like for you? I was anticipating it, but I did not think of an answer. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's not it's a very simple question, but it's not something that people have a lot of ease in answering. Yeah. Um think the the thing that I it's it's a hard question to answer I for me it would be uh having a tree farm in Wisconsin where I would be able to make the things that I want to make and okay uh and invite people to come collaborate and kind of commute create a community where we can make art and, uh, work on projects together. I think that's kind of, I think ultimately, you know, if you take away the specifics of like a tree farm in Wisconsin, in Eau Claire, uh, I think you could say it's to be able to make, to tell the stories that, that I want to tell and that, 
and to work with other people as well. Community and storytelling. Yeah. That's success for you. I love that. There. Oh my gosh. You just <laughs> boiled it down. Two words. <laughs> I'm very good at that. I love it. I love it. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. It was just like such a great pleasure to get to spend an hour with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. This is Not Advice is brought to you by me, Erin Conlin. If you are interested in learning more about my coaching practice or how we might be able to work together, please visit erinconlin.com. This podcast would not have happened without production support from Cedar Cathedral Narrative Studio. 